the home is only worth as much as somebody is willing to pay for it. And that number is totally subjective. There is no mathematical equation that you will arrive at the value for a property at any given point in time. So even MPAC um, or a realtor, or if you take a group of realtors or an appraiser, you get all of these people into a room and ask them to assess a specific property and put a value on it. I guarantee you nobody will, or very slim chance that everybody will have the same, uh, same opinion. What's up everybody. I'm Adrian. This is Ariel. We're back. KT Confidential. This is episode 138. And, uh, today we are talking. Actually, lately I've been getting a lot of questions, and this is what's brought up the conversation. And that's how I have to come up with my topics: is whatever's happening in our day-to-day activities with clients, and emails, and phone calls, and texts. They just turn into conversation and topics. So today, we're going to discuss a common question. It's not so much a question; it's more of an observation. People are telling me that they keep seeing houses raise their prices, and they don't understand why that's happening. So we're going to chat about that. Because I think that's a good topic because it's very relevant in the current marketplace. We're seeing a little bit of shifting and, you know, the dynamics of how homes are being sold right now are a little bit different. And they've yeah, been different. Much. They've had ups and downs, uh, certainly last year and this year. Uh, and, and not so much ups and downs in value, although there are weeks and days that a home might be valued uh, less one day and more the other or vice versa. Um, but the way to achieve those results is changing on a regular basis. So I think that's a good topic to to talk about. Yeah, for sure. It's a very common occurrence in a changing market. So if you look back to the beginning of the year, well, through the better part of last year, um, after that little bit of a blip, when COVID first hit us, the consistent strategy was you price your home low, you market it and connect with as many people as you can and you sell for as much as you can squeeze out of the buyer that's willing to pay the most. And that was the most successful consistent strategy. Now we're in a market where that's changing. And when we're... Before you go on to the changing of the market, that strategy worked because of extremely low supply in resale homes right across the GTA and an increasing demand of that whole COVID shuffle. We've talked about that in the past where people living in apartments or renting or, you know, living downtown Toronto, they wanted a bit more space. So we saw all this shuffling around or people that lived in the suburbs of the GTA moved out for more land or a bought a farm or moved to a cottage yeah. year round, things like that. So, so the, the supply did not anywhere keep up to the demand and not at all. And even we saw homes that were even priced at market value, not necessarily below market value, um, getting multiple offers. So well, and something that's unique with that too, is it's not even necessarily when you look at the market as a whole, how many homes are on the market, sometimes you get little tiny segments where you have a very, very unique property where even if 
not many properties can, it's not, we're, it may not be a feasible strategy for the average property. If you get a home, like there was one in our neighborhood for sale this year, and it was very unique. It was a very high price point. Not many homes had sold at this price point in all of Milton. It was uh, around $2 million, but it was a, a unique home because it sat on a huge lot, like an enormous backyard, backed onto green space, had a big pool, lots of, I think it even had like a half court basketball court out back, something like that. Anyways, it was very unique, unique home. Uh, so in a market where there was many homes that weren't having success with that strategy, this one was so unique that even at that higher price point, um, it was strategically smart to let it sit on the market for a few days and hold offers on a specific day. Even if you price it at what you think it would sell for, you need to get in front of the right people. Well, I think the key is with that kind of strategy, you have to have your pulse on the market in terms of what the buyer's needs and wants are at that given time. And that has fluctuated and changed throughout the seasons and throughout the years. And, you know, whether it's the color of kitchen cabinetry, the type of floors, uh, the location, the floor plan, all of those things go through a buyer's mind. And if your home is just like another three or four homes that are on the market, um, you know, what is differentiating your home other than price? Um, so so that's that's what it boils down to. And I think your topic of, you know, um, the strategy and and seeing different price points on these listings is is happening in real time right now. So I don't know how much do you want to dive in and talk about that specifically? Well, I think so just to give a very clear answer to the the comment that comes up. Um, I think the mindset of people saying it to me has been that they were sort of in disbelief that the list price was increased after it had been on the market for a week and clearly then sell. So there, so that's the perception people have of they don't, perhaps they don't quite understand. Well, I've seen it many times that the list price is not necessarily an indication of market value. So if you're seeing house prices uh, change and they're going up, what probably happened was they listed a price, had a, we'll say a, they listed it likely very low compared to what they thought the home would sell well, for. They well, held... Let's just give an example with a million dollar property. Okay. So let's say the house is worth in the eyes of the seller and the listing agent, a million bucks. And uh, they choose a strategy of, well, let's hold offers. Now, in most cases, when you're holding offers, you're going to price it low um, with expectations of selling for more. And the other reason you might be doing the strategy is because you maybe you don't definitively know what the value of the home is because it's very unique and you need to see what somebody's willing to pay. So maybe you list it for seven ninety nine. That's really low. It's not really at this, at some points in the market uh, over the last year that probably would have been. I'm sure that I've seen many that did that low, but to satisfy area, let's say eight ninety nine, and you schedule a date to review offers a date and time you know, roughly four or five days, six days after the home is on the market. So then you have those four, five, six days of showings. Uh, you don't permit offers during that time. Uh, and then at that day and time you've scheduled, anyone that's interested will send the offer to your agent. And that's where the 
the whole process of negotiations takes place. Now, when you see a house increase their price, it's likely because one of two things. On that scheduled day and time, they either did not receive any offers or the offers or offer that they received was not satisfactory. So they had expectations of selling for a million dollars. They listed for $899. One offer or two offers came in and the most they could get is $950, $960. And they weren't happy with that because they're confident it's worth at least a million dollars. So they say no thank you to those offer, those two offers. They relist the next day at a price that probably is a good indication of what they want to sell for. Um, and to answer some people's question, because I've had this come up too, just because you get an offer, even if it is the asking price, it doesn't mean you have to accept it. I've had people say, oh, well, if we get, like, I'm scared to list low because what if somebody comes in at that price? Do I have to accept it? Well, the answer is no. It's your house, your offers, your, your decision. You can decide what's an acceptable offer. Yeah, you only sign when you're happy with the price terms and conditions. So the other important variable in all of the pricing strategy that happens in the marketplace, and you hear me say it all the time, certainly to our realtors, the home is only worth as much as somebody is willing to pay for it. And that number is totally subjective. There is no mathematical equation that you will arrive at the value for a property at any given point in time. So even MPAC um, or a realtor, or if you take a group even of an realtors appraiser. or an appraiser. I've, there's instances where appraisers come in low and it screws the mortgage up. And I've heard of people going to get a second appraisal done and it comes in higher and things work out you get all of these people into a room and ask them to assess a specific property and put a value on it. I guarantee you nobody will, or very slim chance that everybody will have the same, uh, same opinion. I imagine so, the buyer of my house won't see as much value in it as I do because I live next door to you. They probably won't care. So what happens when I sell my home? If I sell my home first, I just won't disclose that. You, you live probably next shouldn't door. let them know who's next door. Right. Now, actually, if you were selling a, a celebrity home, as an example. Or a house on the same street as a celebrity. Yeah. Well, a buddy of mine um, lives on the street where Gord Downey lived. At the end of his street, it was Gord Downey's uh, primary family home. Wow. And um, it was sold while he was still alive. So I wonder what that would do to the market value now um, if, and how that would change it. But that's an example of a home only being worth as much as somebody's willing to pay. That's why collectibles, as an example, um, like if you have an autograph from Elvis, you know, uh, and it's on a piece of clothing that he wore, you and I, it's worth, you know, whatever, 50 bucks. But to a diehard Elvis fan, um, you know, it might be worth thousands of dollars. So yeah, uh, it's well, all your, your, your suggestion of or your, <clears throat> the concept of a celebrity's house is intriguing to me, because if 
the celebrity lives there, I think it adds value to the surrounding homes. Because if somebody's considering to move there and they're a big fan of that celebrity, I can see them paying more money for it than somebody who's not. Sure. But as soon as they move, it I think it has it it no longer has that same effect on the neighbors, but it does still affect the house itself. Because the buyer of that house can say, Oh, Dwayne Johnson used to live here. Quick story right? for you. So it's interesting. I had, I had friends that I have friends that at one point they lived um right next to the uh Wayne Gretzky's restaurant. Okay. And the building that they lived in was a very nice condo building. Uh, a few of the Maple Leaf players were living in that building at that time. And pretty well every time I saw them, like for the first couple of years that they lived there, Every time I saw them or talked to them, they're like, oh, yeah, we ran into uh, such and such in the elevator on the way up. And I'm like, OK, yeah, who cares? But the point was that, like, they got so excited and, and you know, gave them those bragging rights and they're big Toronto Maple yeah. Leaf fans. So, um, you know, did they appreciate and, and like that fact that they lived and one of them was on the same floor as them. Um, so, you know. Um, but just going back to this, so, you know, the whole concept of listing low, you don't get offers or don't have an offer that's acceptable to the seller. And now you have to come up with a strategy. And the strategy has to be basically a discussion between the realtor and the sellers. And, okay, why are we in this position? That's the first question we have to ask ourselves and um, ask the, the sellers. And it's a candid conversation, has to be open and honest. Why are we in this position? Was it because of the marketing? Was it because of the way the home looks? Is it the condition of the home? Um, is there something wrong with the house? Is something triggering buyers that they don't want to put an offer on the property? Or is it a variable of the marketplace where there might be too many similar homes on the market. There might be a little bit of hesitation in the marketplace because of timing, right? Um, going back to spring last year where COVID was, you know, just the whole pandemic was just starting and, and there was very little activity in real estate. You know, people were very trigger shy. Um, but then you know, not, not too many weeks later, the market became so hot and all of the inventory got gobbled up really quickly that that's what you put the fuel on the fire for the, for the real yeah. estate market. So there's always going to be these peaks and valleys, but you have to ask yourselves, why are we in this position? And then what is our strategy? Why is that our strategy? And Realistically, based on all of the comparable properties that are currently on the market and the ones that have sold very recently, no longer are the days are you comparing to homes that sold 30, 60, 90 days ago, maybe 30, depending on the type of house it is. But we're talking what happened yesterday? What happened last week? Yeah. Um, and, and then 
intimately knowing the homes that are on the market, what are they like? What do they look like? What do they smell like? What kind of upgrades do they have? What are the pros and cons of that home? How long has it been on the market? Have they been relisted at all? So, so there's this whole process of information gathering that has to happen. And then, so in that million dollar example, if somebody lists it at eight ninety nine nine, they hold an offer night. They don't have any uh, deals that come out of that uh, four or five day period, whatever you suggested. Now the the next day, you see a new price of a million twenty nine thousand, and accepting offers anytime. And that's how, you know, in a in a balanced marketplace, you you. You see the price and you know, okay, they're probably going to accept that or maybe a little bit less if you can negotiate with them, depending on how much interest is there, right? Yeah. So, but, the, but the key here is, and I think this is the key that a lot of people forget. Anybody can ask whatever they want to ask for the house. You see a lot of homes being overpriced. So yeah. that home that's worth a million bucks, you know, the seller maybe 30 days ago saw a home similar sell for a million and, you know, all of the signs around town are saying sold, sold over asking, sold in a day, blah, blah, blah. So he thinks, uh, okay, well, if we're going to accept offers anytime now, let's price it at 1.1 million. And that's the problem. That's what's happening. And now that home is going to be what we call stale on the market because it's going to sit on the market for two, three weeks. And the buyer audience isn't stupid. They're going to be like, wait a minute, that house was listed for $899.9. Now it's listed for $1.1 million. We saw a similar home last week sell for a million bucks. What's going on here? And then we as realtors get the call and we're supposed to subjectively understand or speak about the value of that property. Okay, well, Mr. Customer, the similar home sold for a million bucks last week. There aren't any real comparable homes on the market. So, you know, maybe they'll take a million, 10, million, 20, whatever. But 1.1 is definitely high. Now you show the house, you bring them an offer of million 20. They say, no, we'll wait. No, we'll wait. No, that's not their expectation. And it's this stupid game that goes back and forth. And where it happens frequently are when listing agents are listing in a neighborhood that they don't typically buy and sell, like they don't trade in that neighborhood on a regular basis or know it very well. And uh, and the price, that subjective price is just pulled magically out of the air. And, and there you go. I wrote down two notes. And those two notes are, how many days would you recommend for your offer presentation date and why? There so are, I think you said it earlier, there, but I want well, to explain are, yes. why you wouldn't choose a shorter or a longer period of time. So I think you said five, four, five, six days. Five, six there days. Are, well, there's a lot of variables that could impact it. Yeah, my decision could vary depending on the number of circumstances. Um, if it, 
you know, there might be some properties where I would say we need to wait two weeks. And, you know, perhaps that could be, you know, a house that just doesn't show very well. It's tenanted. So the, and the tenants not overly cooperative and you want to make sure you get sufficient people through, you know, maybe in that case, somebody waits a long time. Uh, there may be cases where you only wait, like you listed on a Wednesday, you accept offers on Saturday. Like maybe there was um, the identical house that sold two days prior to you going to market. And now you've listed and the audience that was there for that house immediately sees your house and they get through your house super fast. You may not even get, it's, you know, in that case, in a hot market where that listing maybe had 10 offers, it's likely those 10 people are going to be lined up at your house now. So in that case, you know, you may, you may not get past 24 hours if you get the right buyer that missed out on that house and they come pay top dollar for your house. We had that happen this year. Um, but I would say if you're looking at the average scenario uh, where this strategy is conducive to a successful sale, um, we usually list kind of midweek. And that's something I usually recommend and take offers on the Sunday or Monday um, exceptions being long weekends. You might adjust it at that point, but um, and I think, and, and I think that the mentality with the weekend aspect of it is give people the opportunity to get through, which I think is less important now than it used to be because a lot of people are working from home and they're able to get out to see houses a little bit more. That's so true. Easily. Yeah. And, before, and, and virtual means by being able to yeah. walk through a lot of them in 3d. Yeah. Yeah. Like before it was all like we were super busy showing houses every day after five o'clock and every weekend. That's when people, the only time people could get out now people are working from home. So I'm finding they're taking longer breaks than usual because they don't mind working a little bit later into the day or they just don't care because nobody knows. They're not <laughs> telling their employer. That's exactly yeah. what's happening though, yeah. because... But you know what too, if, if, on that note, look, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of employers are very accommodating because they know how difficult it is to buy a house. So I know many people whose bosses were like, yeah, yeah, no, you can go. Don't worry. Go look at the house. Well, and employers really don't have a choice and have to be a little bit understanding of what's happening in the world. But um, it, it's funny you say that because it's very, very true. Um, both of us and all of the realtors on our team, all showings were pretty well. You were, you were very thankful when somebody said, oh, can we see it sometime in the morning? Right. Oh, I loved it. I was always trying to get morning appointments. Nobody right. would ever do but, them. Uh, no, yeah. it was always evenings and weekends. But now uh, I'm finding our clients are actually saying, let's go see it during the day. So during the business hours, because they want to free up their evenings and weekends now for not home shopping, right? For for doing other things. So, um, and that's good because being a home in daylight um, makes a lot of sense too, right? Like if you're showing a property in the evening and you're losing sunlight, you're probably not seeing things that you want to see and you want to know how much natural light comes into the house, whatever. Yeah. Um, my suggestion usually is five or six days, um, less than a week. It has to be less than a week. 
there's a few things that go into my thought process with it. First of all, yes, holidays, long weekends, things like that will play a factor. But if you go over a week or a week or over, um, the listing gets a little bit stale. And properties, resale homes are the hottest in the first few days. First three or four days are usually the busiest uh, for for a new listing. So let's just presume you've you're waiting nine or ten days to accept offers. Do you really think that the buyers that came through on the first or second day are even going to remember the property? Or in that additional week of marketing time, did other properties come up on the market that either screwed your valuation? Mm-hmm. or made made the buyer's second guess whether or not they like your property because maybe that one has a finished basement. Uh, and for 20,000 bucks, I'd like to have that one with the finished basement. And, you know, so there's a bunch of variables. If you go shorter than five or six days, you're potentially not leaving enough time for the widest audience possible to see the listings because you want to market it to the widest audience, get as many well, Especially right now in many cases where we don't allow overlapping appointments. So you are limited Correct. to a specific number of showings per day, whereas a, 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 just over a year ago, we would allow as many people through the house as we could get in through the day. It oh, we used to love there at the same time. appointments, right? Yeah. We used to love it. Like I remember we had one listing that had 90 showings before we accepted offers. And on a Saturday, uh, there was one hour booked where there were seven showings during that hour. And our front desk that was taking the appointments called me and said, do you know we've got seven appointments on this listing from two to three or whatever time it was? And I was like, wow, that's great. For sure, a big cluster fuck happened at the home in terms of who's got the key and all this. But I mean, we've got our Arlo camera watching, so I wasn't too concerned. I'm like, let them through, let them in, go, go, go. Because then when people see there's so many people there and you're waiting your turn or whatever, or you're in the house and there's three or four or five other groups, you're like, oh, there's going to be some competition on this. You know, this is a hot house. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what anyways, a lot of people forget is that sales is about emotions. And if you can play and get people excited. And right. that's why, like you were saying, if you wait too long, they lose, they come down from that high. Yeah, that emotion kind of dissipates. So five, six days. Uh, the other question. If you don't sell on offer night, do you change the price in the same listing or do you take down that listing, cancel that listing, and now relist with a new listing? Let me explain before you answer. So when you're on realtor.ca on MLS, it assigns an MLS number. We have to... Just so we know, you're explaining to the audience, not me. Yeah. I think that okay. was pretty just make sure because I want to make sure you know that I know what you're talking about. Right. I'm not this this isn't a podcast where I educate Adrian. Right. <laughs> Although some of our new realtors sometimes might might pick up a few things on that, but uh no, this is uh value for the audience. 
And hey, we got a ton of realtors that watch and listen to the podcast. And let me tell you, I've talked to some of them and they're like, oh yeah, I picked up some great pointers. So never know who's listening. But um, when when you as a consumer, when you list your property with a realtor, you're going to have a listing agreement and you're going to have documents to sign with the real estate boards. When ultimately it's listing day and the property gets listed on the public sites, you will probably most know um, realtor.ca. That is the largest real estate website in the country. And that's where all MLS properties get um, listed. What are you doing? I'm fidgeting. You know I fidget. I'm just folding a piece of paper we, while we I don't, listen. We don't want to watch you fidget. Anyways, so I'll, it assigns an MLS number. So let's say the MLS number is 12345. And here's your listing of 8999, uh, accepting offers on Tuesday. Tuesday comes around. You don't get any offers. Do you keep listing 12345 going and just make a price adjustment? So now people will see you were listed at 8999 as the previous price or the realtors will see this anyway. And now you're listed for a million twenty-nine. Or do you cancel that listing completely? So now one MLS number one, two, three, four, five just goes into the archives, which by the way, realtors can see. They can see the history of when and how it was listed and previous price, blah, blah, blah. And now on Wednesday, you relist that property for the million twenty-nine, and it's now MLS number one, two, three, four, seven. Um, or whatever. So that's that's the question here. Do you just change the price in the existing listing or do you cancel that listing and relist it with a brand new MLS number? I've, I've done, is it, you're asking me, right? Okay. Well, I'm not asking Opposed. the audience. <laughs> so I, I've done both. Not Oprah. I've done both. And... Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. We should go live and ask the audience. Um, I've done both. I think at that point in the process that I, I think my, I lean towards just doing a price adjustment. And my thought on that is there are a lot of eyes on the property still, one would assume. And there's going to be people in realtor.ca, you know, the end user, the buyer that has favorited it. And, um, and, and, and realtors still, if they have some sort of search set up, they will also be notified of updates. So they will see the price adjustment. So I think, uh, with that initial price adjustment, in many cases, I usually lean towards just doing a price adjustment opposed to a new listing. Um, a little bit later into the stage, if, or if, if the circumstances are different and someone's doing a price reduction, I think at that point, um, after the market has been on the market for a little while and you've lost some of the eyes on it and slowing, showings have slowed down, I think at that point, a new listing is good because it garners new attention. Um, whereas after four, five, six days, uh, you still have a lot of that and people will see the change. Um, and one interesting thing, and this is why as a homeowner, if someone's selling, you know, it's, it can be a very stressful process. And if you don't sell on that planned date to take offers. I wouldn't stress about it. What's more important is how you handle it. There are often a lot of people on the sidelines watching who 
don't want to bid on it on offer night because they, they are afraid of how much it could cost. And then the next day after they realize it didn't sell, it's very common the day or two later, you're going to get offers from people that saw it beforehand who didn't want to get into that bidding process. Uh, and you could still do very well. Yeah. You see, we've, we've gone down both paths many, many times. And my, you know, when, when one of our realtors calls me and, and says, Ariel, uh, this is what's happening with this listing. Do you have any advice? What should I do? Uh, can we talk about it? Just brainstorm. It depends on the house. It depends on how many comparable properties are on the market. It depends on the first thing I do is I pull up the MLS and our website activity. You know, what did the activity look like? Seriously, didn't buy a new chair yet, eh? <laughs> Can you hear it squealing? Eh. I'll try not to move. Um, you know, were there thousands of MLS views and hundreds of people that favorited it? Um, it didn't sell an offer night, probably not. But you're, you're digging into those um, algorithms, those analytics a little bit and seeing, what is it doing? How much attention is it getting right now? Because if you do take down that MLS listing and now relist it completely with a new MLS number, people that did favorite it on realtor.ca or um, have been watching it through their links um, provided by their realtor, that'll go away. That disappears. So, so you have to be a bit cautious there. And again, we've tried both not tried. We've, we've used both strategies um, many times. I'm a fan of actually canceling and relisting. And I'll tell you why. It, this is my little secret, we'll say. I guess it won't be so much of a secret now. There are... How do I put this in a politically correct way? You don't need to. There are to. going to be realtors out there that don't do their proper due diligence, might not even realize that this is a new, this was previously listed for a different price. So there's also going to be a whole bunch of new people coming into the market on a regular basis or that just missed it. Cause in a four or five day window, it's very easy that a, a potential buyer might miss a listing or just wasn't able to get out to see it or just wasn't able to get out to see it or whatever, but might even miss it completely. So, so basically you have an oblivious, I call it the oblivious crowd. They, they don't know any different it's just like you listed this home at a million twenty nine for the first time. Um, the second thing is that it resets its days on market. So if it takes you three, four days now to get an offer on that property, you're not nine, you're not negotiating from a point of being on the market for nine or ten or eleven days. Now you're negotiating on a, on a three or four day uh, on market situation. And it allows you to be a little bit more picky in terms of the offers that you're going to accept because your 
negotiation point is, well, we've only been on the market for two or three or four days with, with the new price and we've seen great activity. Um, so we're willing to, to wait until we get um, an offer that that's acceptable. So, you know, there's both sides of the equation there. There's no right or wrong answer, to be honest with you. Um, I think what's more important is very much what you kind of alluded to is having somebody that knows how to handle it. Well, okay. I won't mention the address because that's going to get me in trouble, but there is a home and it's as of today's date, it's still on. I don't know about when this podcast will air, if it'll be on the market or not, but this property started at a million four ninety ish here in Milton. It's actually an identical home to mine. So it's 2,500-ish square feet, four bedroom, two and a half give bath. give too many details. It has a finished basement. Well, you know, narrow that down. Um, it was listed at a million four eighty nine nine, accepting offers in five or six days. Didn't get any offers. They listed it then at a million three ninety nine nine, accepting offers in another three, four days. Whatever. They didn't accept any offers. Then it was listed for a million. See, that's a silly strategy. Hang on, hang on. I'm not done yet. <laughs> then it was listed at a million two ninety nine nine, accepting offers anytime. Still no sale. Then it was listed for a million three forty nine nine, accepting offers in three four days. Still no sale. Now they're listed at a million three ninety nine. Then they were listed at a million three ninety nine, accepting offers anytime. Still no sale. Now they're listed at a million two ninety nine. Uh, accepting offers anytime. Does it look nice? Uh, no. Well, I, I assume based on their poor strategy that the rest of it is poor, so that makes sense. It's rough, but that's, it's, it's dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody likes to buy a dirty home. Well, for that size only, of home, you know who likes to buy a dirty home? Investors. Yeah. And an investor doesn't pay top dollar in most cases, especially on a home that's been bounced around like that in the marketplace. It's now been on the market for probably 60 days. I saw a listing a couple of days ago in the public remarks. I was looking at it on the real estate board. In the public remarks section, the first two words were still on market, or no, still available with an exclamation mark. And then in the, bro- in the broker realtor remarks uh, down below, it still had the original scheduled offer date which was a date in the past that drives me nuts and we see that a lot like if you do so in your scenario where you didn't accept an offer on offer night and the next day or that night you're changing the price in the same mls number in the broker remarks what the brokers see is offers to present to be presented on tuesday whatever june 27th at uh you know nine o'clock or whatever. If it's now Wednesday and it's got the new price, you know, remove the remark. Otherwise, two weeks later, it's now July 7th and it still says in broker remarks, uh, offers to be presented on June 27th, right? Which Uh, I mean, in in that case, it didn't really matter because they just came right out and said, still available. Still available. Anyway, Yep, that's episode 138 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Uh, We know you've already liked, subscribed, all that fun stuff, but go ahead and leave us a comment what you think about uh, this podcast and also 
give us some give us some ideas for future podcasts. We love to hear from you. Love to hear what you want us to talk about because that's what we do.